It's better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. You're listening to an audio teaching from Cross Connection Church Houston. We're a small church located in Pasadena, Texas, and it is our mission to save the lost, equip the saved, serve both the lost and saved, and to send the equipped. To this end, we teach through the Bible on a verse-by-verse basis, starting at the beginning of a book and working until the end. If you would like to learn more about our church, you can find us at connectedtojesus.org or check us out on Facebook at Cross Connection Church Houston. We pray that this teaching would grow you in the grace and love of Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, last week we started looking at what the author of Hebrews tells us about the faith of Abraham and Sarah. And we saw that they had a faith that was willing to wander, a faith that was willing to step out, even though they didn't know what the second step or the third step or the, or the fourth step was. God just gave them the first step and they were willing to follow and obey. They also had a faith that was willing to wait. They were willing to wait a long time, 25 years for God to fulfill the promise of giving them a son. Well, there's three more things that the author of Hebrews shares specifically about Abraham's faith that I want us to look at this morning. First, he's going to reveal to us that Abraham had a tested faith. We're going to see very clearly that God tests Abraham's faith, and Abraham is going to pass the faith test. Second, Abraham had a miraculous faith. Abraham believed that God could do something miraculous. He believed that if he would obey what God called him to do, that God could do a miracle in fulfilling what he needed to fulfill. And third, we're going to see that Abraham had a sacrificial faith. Abraham demonstrates his faith in God by willing to sacrifice what mattered most to him, by willing to sacrifice something precious to him that he deeply loved. Now, all of the different uh, examples that we see in in Hebrews chapter 11 of people of faith, and and we've looked at several of them so far, really, I think what we're going to see this morning would be the most difficult aspect of faith of all of the ones that the author of Hebrews uh, addresses. It's just going to be something that uh, is so hard. And and as we try to put ourselves in the position of Abraham, I'm sure you would... uh, accept and believe and understand how difficult this would be as well. And so we're going to look at Abraham's faith that was tested, that was miraculous, that was sacrificial. And I think it's going to really help challenge us to really examine where are we at in the different areas of our life of faith with the Lord. Examine, are we willing to sacrifice to the Lord in this life of faith that we are meant to live. So as we look at Abraham's faith this morning, I just want to encourage you as you're listening and as you're looking towards the example that Abraham has, just to examine your own life, to examine where you're at in your faith journey with the Lord, to examine how your faith is, uh, where it's at, and if there are areas that need to grow or areas that need to change, that you would just get with the Lord this morning and ask Him to help you do that today. So we're going to start by reading what the author of Hebrews tells us about Abraham's faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 19, it says this, 
By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. So the first thing that the author tells us about Abraham's faith is that it was a faith that was tested. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. Now, as we've seen with Abel and Enoch and Noah and and even the other portions of Abraham and Sarah, the author continues to share things that he knew his initial readers would have been familiar with in the book of Genesis. And so I want us once again to, to go back to the book of Genesis because the author says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested... Well, what's the test? What are the details of the test? What is it that God gave as a test to Abraham? And so let's look at that because it brings so much to uh, what Hebrews is telling us. So in Genesis chapter 22, we have the wonderful story of the test that God gives to Abraham and what he does with that test. And in verses 1 and 2, we see what the actual test is of Genesis 22. And it says this, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So here we see very clearly that God tested Abraham. And notice what the test is. Abraham, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now, before we look at what it is that God is actually asking Abraham to do, I want to look at three important things that God says. The first thing that God says that I want you to note is take now your son, your only son, Isaac. Now, if you know the story of Abraham, you realize, well, wait a second. He has more than one son. Remember when they tried to help God out? God, you know, it's been taking a while for you to fulfill the promise of a son. And Sarah comes to Abraham and says, you know what? Sleep with my maid, Hagar. And Abraham does. And he has a son named Ishmael. And so Isaac actually isn't his only son, but in the eyes of God, from God's perspective, Abraham only has one son. Your only son reveals that God doesn't recognize Ishmael as Abraham's son because Ishmael is the work of Abraham's flesh. And God only recognizes the work of promise, the work of faith, which is Isaac. So God is saying, I don't recognize the son of the work of your flesh. I recognize the son of promise that came through faith. And you know what? This is how God is with you and I as well. You know, so many people are trying to get God to recognize their work of the flesh. Look at all the works I've done for you, God. Look at all the things that I'm doing. And and surely now you'll accept me. Surely now I can have a relationship with you. And God says, no, I don't accept the works of your flesh. I only accept the son of promise through faith. And that son of promise is Jesus 
And placing our faith in Him is the only way we can have that relationship with God. Now, I think another thing that's important to note about God calling Isaac His only son is because Abraham and Isaac and all that we're going to see unfold in Genesis 22 is just a beautiful picture of God the Father and God the Son and the things that they have done for us. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God gave His only Son, and now He is asking Abraham to give His only Son as a burnt offering to Him. The second thing I want you to note that God says in verse 2 is take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. You know, this is interesting because it's the first mention of love in the Bible. You start in Genesis, you start reading, and the first time we come to love is right here. And notice it is between a father and a son, and it's connected with this sacrificial offering of the son. Now, when you look in the New Testament, the first mention of love is found in in Matthew 3.17. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. The first occurrence of love in the New Testament is of the Father speaking about the Son and His love for Him. And that's the same thing that you see when you start Mark, the same thing you see when you start Luke. But you know what? When you come to John, the first time that you see love mentioned in John is John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So the first mention of love in the New Testament in the Gospels is a love between the Father and the Son with this sacrifice of that Son. The third thing I want you to note in verse 2 is that God tells Abraham to go to the land of Moriah. Now, the land of Moriah is a a mountain range, and on the top of a, a particular mountain is the most significant place in the entire Bible. And the reason it's the most significant place in the entire Bible is the most significant events have happened on this mountain on the top of Moriah. Jerusalem is located on top of Mount Moriah. And right now, today, as you can see in this picture, where there used to be the temple, you now have the Dome of the Rock, which is the Muslim pagan temple When the temple was destroyed, they built their temple on top of the place that the Jewish temple used to uh, stand there. And there are a lot of amazing things that happen. Here's a slide of 12 of them. But the one that's the most important, the one that has the most significance to us, is the fact that right there on the top of that mountain is where Jesus was crucified for our sins. So God tells Abraham to take Isaac up Mount Moriah. And he says, I want you to go to a very specific place that I'm going to tell you. And most commentators believe that where God directs Abraham to sacrifice Isaac is the exact same place that thousands of years later, Jesus would be sacrificed on the cross for you and for me. So Mount Moriah is a very important place that God has chosen to send Abraham and Isaac to. And so those are the three things that I think are are important to note here. And now let's look at this test that God gives to Abraham in verse 2. 
Abraham, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. And here's the real heart of the test. Offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So the test that God gives to Abraham is, Abraham, I want you to take your son Isaac, that son that you love, and I want you to offer him to me. Offer him as a burnt sacrifice. What he's saying is, I want you to kill your son. Sacrifice him to me. Now this test is by far the most difficult test in Abraham's life. And if you study his life, you see that there were a lot of tests There were a lot of steps of faith. There were a lot of difficult things that he had to do. But this one, by far, is the most difficult. And it's going to reveal how much faith Abraham really has in God. It's going to reveal how far Abraham's willing to go in order to obey God. You know, but this test is also going to reveal if there's anything in Abraham's life that is more important to him than God if there's anything that he loves more than God. And I want you to try and picture what this must have been like for Abraham. Now remember, he waited and Sarah waited 25 years for God to finally fulfill the promise of this miracle son. Sarah's barren, Abraham's 100, she's 90. They finally have this miracle boy. And they name him Isaac, laughter. It brought so much joy and laughter to their life. Their life's now just centered on Isaac. All the promises that God have given them are in Isaac and this amazing miracle child and what joy it brings to them. And now Isaac has grown into adulthood. And they're so blessed by having this miracle boy. And then God comes with this test. I want you to take that son of yours that you love so much and I want you to sacrifice him to me. What a huge blow that must have been for Abraham. Imagine being told that. Take your son, the one that you love deeply, and I want you to sacrifice him as a burnt offering to me. You know, this test will determine if Abraham's confidence and faith in the promises of God are in his son or in God himself who provided that son. This test is going to prove who Abraham loved more, God or Isaac. Now in the Ten Commandments, God tells us you shall have no other gods before me. Jesus, when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You see, God wants us to love Him more than anything else. He doesn't want there to be anything in our life that we love more than Him. Now, as we look at Abraham's response to this test, I think it's important that each one of us ask ourselves, is there anything in my life that I love more than God? Is there a person that I love more than God? Is there a job that I love more than God? Are are there things in my life, whether it be money, power, success, that I love more than God? If this morning God told you to sacrifice that thing that you love, would you be willing to do it? 
Would you be willing to give it up? Now, as you read this story, you might be thinking to yourself, man, that's a pretty insane test that God places on Abraham. But something I think that's very important for us to remember and understand is this was the final exam. This wasn't the first test. Abraham has had test after test after test after test, and they just kind of kept building, like when we're in school. You know, at the end of the year, you get the final exam. The very first day, you might get a pop quiz or something, and it's pretty easy in comparison to that. The very first thing that we looked at last week that God asked Abraham is, I just want you to leave. Leave Ur, leave this pagan country, leave your family, and go to a place that I'm going to show you. That was the first step. And then there were more and more and more, and now comes the final exam. Now comes this test that we're kind of blown away by when God says, all right, Abraham, I got one more big test for you. I want you to sacrifice your son. So this didn't come out of the blue. It wasn't the first thing that God threw at Abraham. God has been working to grow Abraham's faith. And now he brings the final exam to Abraham. He's been growing in faith for 25 years. And now he says, Abraham, are you willing to surrender your only son to me? You see, God wants to get Abraham to a place of total surrender. I know you've given me this, and I know you've given me this, and I know you've given me this, but are you willing to give me your son? Are you willing to totally surrender? You've you got lots of things you've surrendered to me, but are you willing to surrender what matters most? I think this is important for us to note because that place of total surrender is where God ultimately wants to bring you and me to as well. Is there anything in your life that you're not willing to surrender to God? Something that you love so much that if God said, let it go, you would say no. Now it's important to understand throughout Abraham's life, he, he definitely struggled with total surrender. I don't think it's good just to teach on this one success in Abraham's life because you're left with how amazing he is and I could never have that in my life. But when you look at his whole life, you realize his life isn't full of a bunch of successes. There's a lot of failures as well. He failed a lot of faith tests. And those failures and those faith tests led him to grow in faith, led him to see where he needed to grow in faith, and he got to this place now towards the end of his life where he's willing to do something that's quite amazing in faith. So that total surrender didn't happen overnight. It took many steps. And, and I want to challenge you if there are things in your life you have not surrendered to the Lord, things that you could say, you know what, I, I love that more than God Himself. That you would just take the first step of coming to God, admitting there are things in your life that you're not willing to surrender, things in your life that you love more, and to say, Lord, I want to change. I want to ask for your forgiveness. I want you to help me to love you most. Help me to surrender everything to you. So God gives Abraham this huge test. Sacrifice your only son. And in verses 3-5 through of Genesis 22, we're going to see how Abraham responds to, to such a test given to him. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to the young men, Stay here with the donkey, the land, and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. 
So God gives Abraham this test, and notice immediately he gets up in the morning, and he's going to obey. He prepares himself early in the morning and gets all the things ready that are necessary for him to fulfill the test that God had given to him. Now, I am confident that Abraham must have had a lot of questions. I'm confident there were things that he just didn't understand concerning this test. I mean, Isaac, everything that you promised me is fulfilled in him, and and you want me to kill him? You want me to sacrifice? I mean, imagine the amount of questions that Abraham must have had at this moment. But notice, Abraham had faith in God even when he did not understand, even when he didn't know everything, even when he didn't understand or know how things were going to work out. And it's important for us to note because I think oftentimes we're not willing to put our faith in God in certain areas. We're not willing to obey God in other areas. Why? Because we don't understand why God is commanding us to do something or we don't understand how it's all going to work out. And we say, you know what? I'm not going to do it until that knowledge and that understanding is given to me. But you know, that's not real faith. If you only have faith in God when you understand everything and you know everything and you know how it's all going to work out, then you're not putting your faith in God. You're putting your faith in the understanding of how everything's going to work and how everything's going to come together. And God's just saying, you know what? Trust me. I know how it all is going to work. I know how it's all going to come together. And I just want you to put your faith in me and obey what I say. So God wants us to have faith in him even when we don't understand, even when we don't know how things are going to work out. Another thing that I think we can be pretty confident in is that Abraham didn't feel like killing his son. That went against his emotions. That went against his desires. Completely against him. He would have the complete opposite feeling when it came to this son that he loves. But Abraham still had faith in God, even though God was asking him to go against things that he felt. Going against things that he desired. Once again, oftentimes we're not willing to have faith and obey because, you know, I don't have a desire for that thing. Sorry, God. I don't really feel like doing that. That kind of just goes against my feelings, goes against my desires. And so I'm not obeying that. I'm not stepping out and doing that. Yeah, when you ask me to do something that I already want to do, then I'm happy to do it. But when you're asking me to do something that goes against my desire, goes against my feelings, no. But once again, that's not real faith. (laughs) If God just asked you only to do things you want to do, well, you're going to do them anyway. When he asks you to do things that go against your feelings, against your desire, that's a real test. Am I going to obey on those situations. It's taken Abraham a a while to get to this place of being willing to obey. He had a lot of disobedience right at the very beginning. I want you to leave all your family. He takes Lot and his dad. Disobedience. Go to the promised land. He goes to Haran. Disobedience. Gets to the promised land. He leaves to Egypt. Disobedience. In Egypt, tells his wife to lie and say, she's my sister, does that twice. I mean, there's lots of different areas of Abraham's life where he failed to obey. But you know what? Through each of those failures in obedience, through those failures in faith, failures in that test of faith, he learned things. He learned where he needed to grow, and the Lord helped him to grow. And each time you see him maturing, and each time you see his faith growing, and each time you see his obedience growing, and after 25 years of that growth that the Lord's been working in him, now he has this final exam. And he's been asked to sacrifice his son 
And it's amazing that he's gotten to this place when you look at his life and all the the failures that God has built in him, this wonderful faith and obedience. And it's great to see. And it hopefully gives you encouragement of, hey, you know what? You might be failing a lot right now in your faith and your obedience, but come to the Lord. Ask him to help you grow. Look at Abraham's life and recognize God can change you. He changed him. He can bring you to that place of full obedience and faith in him. Now, I think there's something that Abraham says to these young men that is really important to note in verse 5. Abraham said to the young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. There are two important things that I want you to note here about what Abraham says to these men who are with him. First, he says, you know, you guys stay here. My son and I, we're going to go beyond this and we're going to worship. Now, I noted that the first time we just saw love, here's the first time we see worship used in reference to God in the Bible. And notice that the worship that Abraham has in mind is a sacrifice of his son. When he says, the lad and I are going to go yonder and worship, that the worship he has in mind is we're going to build an altar and I am going to offer my son as a burnt offering to the Lord in worship. Now it's interesting because if you were to talk to a majority of Christians today and you would say, you know, what is worship? The most common answer that you would get is singing songs. But singing songs isn't what worship is. It's just one way in which we worship. And I would say something that's even more deep than singing songs as a demonstration of worship is being willing to sacrifice to the Lord as a demonstration of worship. If you want to worship God, one of the best ways to do that is being willing to sacrifice things in your life to the Lord. Be willing to sacrifice your time for the Lord. Sacrifice your talents for the Lord. Sacrifice your treasures for the Lord. But you know what? There's something more significant that Abraham says to these young men. He says, we will come back to you. My son and I, we're going to go worship. These young men don't have a clue of what that means. They don't know that Abraham's planning to kill his son. But notice Abraham says, we, both me and my son, are going to come back to you. And you think, well, wait a second. How is it that Abraham can make this statement? He knows what he's going to do. He knows that he's about to go and sacrifice and kill his son. And so how is his son going to be able to come back? Well, this just shows the depth of belief that Abraham had in the promise that God had given him. And here's what Hebrews emphasizes, what Genesis emphasizes. The promise is through Isaac. God makes that very clear. It's not going to be through another child. I'm not going to give you another miracle boy. It's through Isaac that all these promises are going to come. And so Abraham believes the promise of God so much that he believes, you know what? If I were to kill my son, God's going to do something that's going to enable my son and me to come back. And the depth of that faith is revealed to us in Hebrews 11, 17 through 19. Let's read that again. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called, now notice this, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, 
from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Abraham had faith that Isaac was going to come back with him even though he was planning on killing Isaac as an offering to the Lord. And notice his faith wasn't that God would stop him. It wasn't like, you know what, I believe that I'm going to get there and God's just testing whether I'm really willing. But I know he's going to stop me. That's not what he believed at all. He believed that he was going to have to go through this and kill his son. And the reason he believes his son's going to come back with him, the author of Hebrews tells us, he believes that God would raise his son from the dead. This is a fascinating thing that we see here with Abraham because we hear about raising from the dead and we, well, yeah, you know, Jesus was raised from the dead. Lazarus was raised from the dead. We have all these precedents to look at the fact that God has already done this. But guess what? Abraham didn't have that. Up to this point in time in history, God had never raised anyone from the dead. And so here is Abraham willing to believe something about God that God has never done before to prove that he could do it. And he's willing to say, you know what, God? I believe your promise so much that you would fulfill it through this boy, Isaac, that when I kill him, I believe that you could raise him from the dead. Because if he's dead, so are your promises. And I don't believe that those promises will die. I believe your promises will be fulfilled. And so I believe that you will raise my son from the dead when I kill him. Abraham's faith in God and the promises that God gave him are what enabled him to surrender everything to God. Think about that. That's really at the heart of this. That he had such faith in what God promised him that he says, I will surrender Isaac. I will take Isaac's life because I have such faith in the promise that you have given that you could do a miracle and raise Isaac from the dead. And I think this is so important for us to note because one of the biggest reasons why we struggle to surrender everything in our lives to the Lord is because we struggle to totally believe the promises of God. We'd struggle to believe completely what God's Word reveals to us. You see, if we totally believe God's Word about how much God loves us, that He's always there for us, that He will take care of us and provide for us, that His thoughts towards us are always of good, that He has our, our best interests in mind, that we can trust Him in every way, you know, it, it shouldn't be hard to surrender everything to Him. But it is hard. And one of the reasons it's hard is because often we struggle with believing what God says. We struggle with trusting His promises. Now remember, Abraham wasn't always able to totally surrender everything to God. He wasn't always someone who totally trusted in the promises of God. But you know what? He came to a place of total surrender when he came to a place of totally trusting the one he was surrendering his son to. And the same is true for us. You and I aren't going to totally surrender to the Lord until we come to a place where we totally surrender to the truths of God's Word, to the promises that He gives us. See, the more you trust God, the more you trust what His Word declares to you, the more that you're going to be willing to surrender to Him in your life. So first we've seen that Abraham had a tested faith. 
God tested him and asked him to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Second, we've seen that Abraham had a miraculous faith. He was willing to believe that God could do a miracle and raise his son from the dead. And the third thing we're going to see that the author of Hebrews reveals about Abraham's faith is that Abraham also had a sacrificial faith. Verse 6 of Genesis 22 says this, So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and, and laid it on Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. So right after Abraham tells the two young men, hey, me and my son, we're going to go yonder and worship, and we're going to come back, the wood for the sacrifice he places on Isaac, he grabs the fire, and he grabs the knife, and he and his son starts walking towards the place that God told them to go. And notice the three things they take. The wood, the fire, the knife. All the things necessary to fulfill the sacrifice. You see, taking these three things shows Abraham's commitment to sacrifice his son. Charles Spurgeon wrote this, That knife was cutting into Abraham's own heart all the while, yet he took it. Unbelief would have left the knife at home, but genuine faith takes it. He's carrying with him the thing that he is planning on using to kill his son. In bringing that knife, it was a, a commitment to say, I am going to fulfill what God has asked me to do. So Isaac has the wood, Abraham has the fire and the knife for the sacrifice. As they start walking, Isaac realizes, well, wait a second, we're missing a very key ingredient to our burnt offering, aren't we? And so he asks Abraham about it in verses 7 and 8. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. So Isaac realizes, hey, we got the fire, we got the wood, we got the knife, we got all the ingredients necessary for an offering, but the problem is we don't have the offering. Hey, hey, Dad, where's the lamb? We, we need a lamb in order to offer that to the Lord. Because Isaac doesn't realize he is the offering. And notice Abraham's response. He has some amazing words. He says, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. Now, what Abraham says here has very much significance to the circumstances that he and his son are in, but they also have significance beyond it. This is really a prophetic statement from Abraham, speaking of something that would happen in the future, because one day God would provide for himself the lamb right on that very spot to be sacrificed for the sins of the world. And that's something that Jesus did a little over 2,000 years ago on that same mountain. Well, now we're going to see the sacrificial faith of Abraham demonstrated in verses 9 through 12 of Genesis 22. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, 
from me. So Abraham comes to the place that God had said, this is where I want the offering to be. This is where I want you to make the sacrifice. And as I mentioned earlier, I believe that's the exact same spot where Jesus was crucified. And we're told Abraham builds an altar there. He places the wood on the altar. And then he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Now something that oftentimes gets missed in this whole story is the submission of Isaac in this sacrifice. You know, Jewish tradition tells us that Isaac was most likely in his 30s when this happened. Many commentators believe that he was 33, the exact age that Jesus was crucified on the cross. We don't know his exact age, but we definitely know that Abraham's pushing 115, 130 years old, and either a teenager, 20-year-old, 30-year-old Isaac could have easily stopped Abraham from placing him and binding him and putting him on the altar. You know, if Isaac wanted to and he sees what's happening and why are you trying to tie up my hands and, you know, hey, old man, (laughs) there's no way I'm going on this altar. If he wanted to stop that from happening, there's no way Abraham at his age had the ability to force Isaac to do this. He couldn't overpower him. And so we see that Isaac willingly trusts his dad, willingly lays down on this altar, which once again is just a beautiful picture of what Jesus did, where he says, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down myself. Jesus willingly laid his life down. It wasn't taken. He wasn't overpowered. He wasn't forced to the cross. He willingly went there for us. And then we're told that Abraham stretched out his hand and and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. So after Isaac allows Abraham to bind him and and lay him down on this altar, all of a sudden Abraham grabs that knife and he stretches out his hand and he's ready to plunge that down into his son and kill him. And as he's about to do that, he hears a voice from heaven calling his name and telling him not to kill his son. We're told, I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Abraham deeply loved his only son, but he was willing to sacrifice him to the Lord which is another wonderful picture of God the Father and God the Son. God the Father loves Jesus deeply, His only Son, but He was willing to sacrifice Jesus on the cross to pay for our sin because of His love for us. Now, right after God stops Abraham from sacrificing Isaac, something important takes place in verses 13 and 14 of Genesis 22. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his own son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. As it said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. So right after God stops Abraham... From killing Isaac, Abraham lifts his eyes and looks and he sees this this ram caught by the horns in these bushes. 
And he was able to sacrifice that ram instead of his son. You see, God was still requiring a sacrifice for Abraham. But God provided a substitute for Isaac. Isaac didn't have to be the one who was sacrificed. The the ram was sacrificed in his place. And because of God's provision of that ram, because God didn't have Isaac's sacrifice but provided the ram, notice that we're told Abraham names this place, the Lord will provide. I think it's interesting, he didn't name the place in reference to what he experienced. He didn't name it Mount Trial or Mount Agony or, or Mount Obedience. He named it the place in reference to what God did. Mount Provision. This is a place that God provide the substitutes. He provided the ram. But you know what? He also named it knowing that God was going to provide something in the future. The ultimate sacrifice for sin was going to happen right there. And that's why Moses says, to this day in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Uh, Moses is saying, hey, even in his day, this is what people were saying, that in the mount of the Lord it shall be in the future provided. Not looking back to, oh, look what Abraham and Isaac and what the Lord did in the past. He's saying, no, no, no. in this place there's going to be a sacrifice in the future. Speaking of the sacrifice, the ultimate one of the Son of God. Jesus Christ, for the sins of the world. So in these three verses, we see three things about Abraham's faith that hopefully encourages, but also challenges us in our faith. First, Abraham had a tested faith. God gives him this huge test, this final exam that was built on many other previous tests before it. And it was a test to demonstrate where Abraham's faith was. And he passed this one. He was willing to sacrifice his only son to God. And in the same way, God tests our faith as well. Often he starts with smaller tests and they grow and build as our faith and and obedience in God grows and builds. But those tests reveal stuff. It reveals, am I following God in the way that I should? Am I obeying God in the way that I should? Do I have the faith in God that I should? And as we look at Abraham's failures and you can look at your own failures, it's a revelation to you of, you got to grow right here. Here's something that you're not willing to sacrifice. you got to be willing to let that go. Here's something you obviously love more than you should because you love it more than God. And you got to have God be the love of your life first and foremost. So these tests, they reveal where we need to be and hopefully they help us to see where we need to grow and motivate that growth and that change that needs to happen in our life. Second, Abraham had a miraculous faith. He got to that place where he was willing to believe that God could do a miracle, one that he never experienced, never heard about, never been done before, that God could raise the dead. And God wants us to have a faith that believes He can do the miraculous in our lives. I think something so important for us to remember is nothing is too big for God. Nothing's too difficult for God to handle. But when you and I have a small view of God, small view of His power, small view of His ability, we typically have small faith in Him as well. Small faith in Him to do miraculous things in our life. I mean, the Bible's very clear. We serve a miraculous God. And He wants us to have faith that believes that He can do the miraculous in our personal lives. 
Oh, yeah, well, God can do miracles with David and Goliath, and God can do miracles with Abraham and Sarah, and God can do miracles with Paul and Peter, and, and we can go on and on. Yeah, God does miracles in other people's lives. But are we willing to believe God can do the miraculous in mine? Because that's where he wants to get us to believe that he's our miraculous father, not just a one who does it for other people, but that God has the miraculous power to move in our lives as well. Third, Abraham had a sacrificial faith. He was willing to sacrifice to God something he deeply loved, something that mattered a lot to him. And God wants you and I to have a faith in Him that's willing to sacrifice whatever He asks us to sacrifice. And I just want to just throw it out there as an important reminder. It took 25 years for Abraham to mature. 25 years for him to get to this place where he was willing to sacrifice everything. Sacrifice what was most important. Obey God on this huge scale and say, I'll give you my son. And so if there's areas of your life where you're struggling with faith in God, remember, God's not done changing you. God's not done helping you grow. God's not done with you. And so, you know, oh, I could never be like Abraham. It took him 25 years. Recognize it takes time to get to those places where we're willing to give everything to the Lord, but that's the place He wants us to get to. And so all the things that are leading to that, all the failures, all the growth, God's going to continue to complete the work He started in you. He's going to keep working in you to help you have a tested faith, a miraculous faith, and a sacrificial faith. You know, there's a place where faith is tested, a place where you really pray for miracles, a place where sacrifices are a daily occurrence, and that's on the mission field, on mission trips. Jaime and Molly are about to take a step of faith and go on a mission trip to Burundi. They already have had to have their faith tested in this time of preparation. It'll be more tested in the time that they're there. But you know what? As they're there, the Lord is going to be asked to do miracles and moving in hearts and preparing people for the gospel. And there are sacrifices that have to be made in trips of that nature. Now, many of you have helped them financially to, to be able to go on this trip. Others of you have helped as well with books and resources so they can take to the people there in Burundi. But one of the main things that they need, not only this morning, but through the whole time that they're going to be gone, is our prayer. And so I want to close this morning having Jaime come up and share a little bit about you know, just the trip and, and more specifically about how we can be praying and then just have the whole family come up. Jaime and Molly are the only ones going. We want to pray for the whole family as the enemy is going to come against all of them on this trip and just pray for them and pray for the work that the Lord's going to do in Burundi. And so I'm going to have Jaime share a little bit, and then the whole Lecom family is going to come up. Uh, and we're just going to take time. I'm going to open it up to anybody who wants to pray. And we're just going to spend some time praying for them uh, in this trip. And so go ahead, Jaime, why don't you share with us?